bills make me wanna Shout. kick your heels up. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast, here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. The streak officially stands now at 16 years with no playoff appearances. The Bills eliminated after a woeful loss to the Washington Redskins today. I'm Lars. Joining me today, the president of the Bills backers of Chicago, Sujit, is with us. You know what? F you, Bills. Um, not much to talk about aside from uh, how terrible it was. I would like to talk about the fact that there's playing a rap song dedicated to the Buffalo Bills that got put out this year. That's been the new. Uh, that's been the new addition to Lincoln Station this year. Uh, actually, well, not this year, just today. Uh, and you know, I appreciate it. Lars thinks it's pretty repetitive. Yeah. I think 16 years in a row is repetitive, but I still come back. So. Find us on Twitter at Bills and Beers. Find us on Facebook at Bills and Beers. Suge, let's not waste any more of our time or the listeners' time to get right into it. It was quite clear throughout most of the contest today that the loss, the impending loss, was going to fall squarely on the shoulders of the defense, and nothing happened in the second half or in the fourth quarter to change that. The defense looked absolutely lost today, but we should start with the positive, because we are going to talk probably at great length and almost exclusively today about the defense. Let's talk about some of the positive things that happened. Suge, if you can think of one, you're the Bat Blue MVP of today's contest. Okay, so it's very convenient to only have two people doing a podcast because it works out quite nicely that I get first shot at everything because Lars has to intro the segment because as we saw last week, I have no business entering, introing any segment. So I am going to go with my man, Jerry Hughes, the only person that seems to want to play uh, on this defense. The only person that, even though, oh, sorry, the only person that has talent and wants to play on this defense. There's lots of people that want to play on this defense, but either they don't have talent or they don't want to play. And I'm looking at you, Mario Williams. Um, I'm even looking at you, Marcel Darius. Uh, there's, you know, we've been chatting with Jam and Jeff Day and Cassie Hutton and uh, Bill Belcher uh, all throughout the game over our group me text. And the discussion the entire time has been is it scheme or is it players? Is it scheme or is it players? Uh, and I think at the end of our long discussion, we realized it's both. Both of these freaking co- components suck on this team. Uh, you know, the coaches are not putting the players in a place to succeed. And when they do, the players aren't making plays. So Jerry Hughes is the only one that seems to be putting 110% effort. Mario Williams, ugh, I'm not even going to talk about you until I get to a rant. I got to give mine to somebody on the offensive side of the ball. And I got to go with Sammy Watkins here. I'm really cheering for him to get 100, or excuse me, 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. And I think he's on pace. I think that puts him at 9 for the year. Yeah. Can we confirm that? So I want him to get that elusive 10 um, because he should have had it last year. He should have had 1,000 last year, too, but he didn't get it. I don't know how close he is to 1,000, though. He had, he had what, like a buck 20 today, buck 30 maybe? He ended up having, yeah, buck 11. Buck 11. 111, uh, obviously a touch, two touchdowns. Yep. Two, so... So yeah, he's doing he's doing not so bad. Yeah, so I, I, go back I and look at the yearly stats. The, as far as the team goes, the season's now lost. The uh, playoff, oh, they look like a whole basket of wings over there, Suge. Look at that shit. Yeah, they sure did. You know what? I appreciate, sir. 
I appreciate that you're a fan of the podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in what we're doing. But you can't leave a whole plate of wings left, left by. A whole plate of wings. Uh, they yeah. did order like 7,000. Uh, so season lost, but I would like to see some individual achievement. I'd like to, and I'd like to see Shady get a thousand too, because I don't want to hear all off season about how, oh Shady, like what a bad contract it was for the Bills because Shady can't even get to a thousand yards. Because that will not, in any way, shape, or form, be indicative of the effort and actual contribution that he made. So I want him to get a thousand. He left early today. But um, what is he at? Okay, so yeah, so he'll have. So at the end of this game, eight twenty-seven. Yeah, eight twenty-seven and nine touchdowns. That's so, Sammy. So he's got. Should, we have two games left. We should be able. One seventy-three and a score. Okay, so let's now get into the meat of the episode here. Starting with the Jenny Cremel bummer of today's game, and I'll go first, Suge. Now, which member of the? Because I know what you're going to rant on, so or at least I know you know who I'm going to rant on. Which member of the defensive secondary are you going to rant it's, on? Well, it's uh, bag on. You know, I have to give it to Leotis McKelvin because we gave him enough props on this podcast that when he is spanked as badly as he was today, we can't just be homers and ignore the fact that on just about every big Redskins play there were two numbers trailing the ball carrier, and more often than not, it was either number 21 or number 37. So, I am going to have to go with another member of the secondary, and he's a person that was supposed to be the stabilizing factor on this team, and that is Corey Graham. You know, he's supposed to be the one veteran that we could count on. Now, granted, I know it's a new position for him this year, but He's played well enough to know that he knows better. He knows defenses. He understands defenses. He, God, for God's sakes, he played in Baltimore. He should know defenses. So he should be able to understand Rex's scheme and should be able to make plays when called upon. And there are times that he is frankly out of position. It's not a scheme issue. He is standing right there and doesn't make a play on the ball. For example, that ridiculous touchdown that he gave up. Now, granted, Bakari Rambo should be coming over and taking a proper angle to actually tackle that player, but there's no excuse. Fine, give up the ball, give up the play, but don't give up the tackle. There's no excuse for that touchdown, and we're talking about, what is it there? The, 76-yarder. The second 76-yarder. So, you know, Corey Graham, we expect better from you. You have played well at points this year, but the last two games, you have just played bad, bad safety. That's I mean, that's all, I mean all of our safety has been bad, but... You know, because you're a veteran, you should be playing better. We, as you mentioned, have been debating nonstop, is it players, is it scheme? And I know Cass is going to say it's scheme, and I know Jeff's going to say it's players, and I'm going to come down and say that it's players as well. But you can't look at some of the efforts today, whether it's Preston Brown getting dragged seven yards downfield, Leotis McKelvin getting his head around and inexplicably not, not, getting his head, not yeah. making a play on the ball into a simple lob pass in the end zone. Third and 16. The Corey Graham long touchdown. On this defense, with the exception of Jerry Hughes, who is beating the guy in front of him? Who is winning those one-on-one matchups? Darby will do it. Darby's a sure tackler on the outside. We made note of that today. But not only are guys... Do they look lost in the defense? But when their time to make a play is at hand, when the play lands in their lap, they still can't do it. One-on-one, chance to get a turnover. It doesn't matter what it is. Players are not making plays for this defense. Can we at least agree on as much? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And, you know, we sat down 
during the lull of the game because at points there was just no point in watching. Uh, and we thought, tried to think, okay, what are the great plays that have been made during the course of this game? There was the Mario sack where he threw him on his head, but I believe it was relatively inconsequential. There was the Hughes strip sack. There was uh, Tyrod against Tennessee at the very end of the game. There was Rambo's uh, plays, you know, turnovers against the Jets. But still, there's not that many to think about. More we can think about is all the missed plays. Uh, you know, all of the interceptions that were lost against um, KC. Yeah, against KC. So I, I, I completely agree with you. The, you know, the thing that we talked about back and forth, that is a scheme, is it players? And the analogy that I made, which I don't think explains everything, but at least explains part of it, is the fact that, you know, if you had a, if you had a rat and you had to teach that rat how to hammer in a nail, and your solution was to write a beautiful text document that explained perfectly how the nail should be put in. And then the nail, of course, the rat can't read, so the rat, rat can't put the nail in. So who do you blame there? The scheme in, in, in principle was okay, but it just did not fit the player that you had. So our scheme doesn't fit our rats. Uh, and uh, I don't Okay, hold on. I want, I, want to, I want to tighten this analogy up a little bit because... This analogy also presupposes that rats have no idea what a hammer and nails. These guys are fucking professional football players yeah, on yeah. the defensive side of the ball. They're not learned like they didn't just land from outer space and are being told like the parameters of football. They should understand what's going on. Yeah, that's true. Maybe yeah, we should have said a rat trying to get the cheese, right? Yeah, so but, yeah, but dude, I, I so don't. And again, Rex Ryan has had success with two different teams spanning a decade. So it was okay for those players. No, and then it gets then it gets to the last thing. The one year, the one thing that's different about this team versus any other Rex Ryan defense is that there's dissent amongst the team. There's people like Mario that are essentially tearing apart the defense, not trying. If anyone is watching Mario Williams, you know he's not trying. And I'll get into this with my rant, but I think when you have star players like Mario Williams bagging the defense, not trying. It percolates through the through yeah. the rest of the team, and it's possible that he's just poisoned the waters to the point where nobody believes in the scheme, nobody is playing for Rex Ryan, and that's the one thing that you could never say about a Rex Ryan defense. Win or lose, they all loved that coach, and that defense loved their their coach, and they played for him. I don't feel like this defense is ready to play for Rex Ryan. And it's strange goings on at one Bills drive right now. This report about Doug Whaley and the friction there, and they want him gone, and Vic Carucci is reporting that we're moving on from E.J. Manuel, and that Whaley wants Roman fired. I don't know what to think right now, but I think it's clear that Mario Williams is is, is good as gone. Well, Mario Williams should be gone. He should That's be inactive the last two weeks. Yes, he should be. And I think that they should actually be petty, and I think they should talk shit and show his tape to any person potential suitor and show them that, I mean, unless they're trying to get a trade, right, unless they're trying to get a trade for him, if they're just going to release him, they should poison the waters for Mario Williams. This is the same crap he did in Houston. When he wasn't happy, he stopped playing, and that's why we ended up getting him. If you talk to any Houston fans, you know that, oh, he played for certain games and he took off certain they games. They were not sorry to see him go. They were not sorry to see him go, and, you know, look what they got instead. So I think that, you know, this is his M.O. When he doesn't like the system, he just stops playing. And teams should know that. Teams should know that, hey, 
GMs should know that, or more than that, owners should know that. Because there's enough turnover in this league that, oh great, you have a 4-3 now, you might not next year if you suck. So know that you're only getting a player for this scheme. So if you're going to pay him millions and millions and millions of dollars, know that he will only come for that scheme. And if that scheme doesn't work out, he's going to suck the rest of the time. I'd be perfectly happy him never playing another down of football because of that attitude. But it's weird to think what other pieces are going to be have are going to have to be placed this year. And I started with the, with talking about the, the the murmurs out of One Bills Drive with the Whaley thing. Whaley and Rex have got to get on the same page because there's going to be there could be some there could be a lot of fresh faces on this defense next year. There could be some serious turnover in this upcoming offseason. And we got to make sure that our GM and our head coach are on the same page how to get this done. Because I think it's clear to everything we've talked about, everything we've seen, and everything in Rex Ryan's history to show us, Rex does not have the guys he needs to run this defense. And I'm sorry if you're a Bills fan who thinks this is all Rex's fault and thinks it's all the, fa the fault of scheme. The cast this includes you to a certain extent. You are flatly ignoring the fact that Rex Ryan has never coached a defense that has finished worse than 11th in the league. This is by far the worst defense he's ever coached, and it's still not even that bad. They're still middle-of-the-pack mediocre. But history shows that Rex Ryan's scheme fucking works. When players are bought into it, and when he's got the right guys, he wins football games with defense. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what he's going to need from a personnel standpoint other than a nose tackler and maybe five more linebackers who can actually do something. And oh, by the way, we still don't have an actual free safety on this roster. And if Aaron Williams retires from football, we got to find a strong safety too. Yep. So it's kind of daunting when you step back and think, well, what's it going to take to get there? And who's on board to get us there? Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about all the talent that we have on this team, especially on this defense. And the fact is we have talent on the defensive line. We don't have talent anywhere else. We have Corey Graham, who's a brand-new safety. We have Bakari Rambo, who's just getting his feet underneath him. We have Duke Williams, who's flat-out horrible. Duke, they'd be we better have, off with 10 guys on the field if Duke's, Duke was the 11th. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, – who else is out there uh, besides Rambo and well, – A.J. Tarpley's getting playing time right now. Yeah, I mean, we have we have no talent. We have a lot of injured players. You know, the, the stat of how many starters have missed time this season versus last year is ridiculous. And if you're ignoring that and just calling an excuse, then you have an agenda or you have a point to make or you're not willing to look objectively at what has happened this season. Yeah, I, I agree, especially especially for a team that is learning a new scheme, a new complicated scheme. How do you learn a new complicated scheme and then have all of your starters go down? Not least you know, of what, which... What, are you, what do you expect to happen? Was the vocal leader of the defense at Aaron Williams. Yes. Yeah, you know, there was that great article by, uh, where Tally was talking about how we don't really have a leader on the team, and then there was the, the follow-up article saying that Aaron Williams wants to be that leader. You know, it's great that he wants to do that, and Lars brought up the point over the course of the week, the fact that, you know, A.J. Williams, uh, sorry, Williams was very close uh, to Fred Jackson, who was the undisputed leader before he left. So it makes perfect sense, but if you're not playing, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. No, it's, it's damn near impossible. So you can't ignore how much of an impact injuries have had on this team this year. But at the same time, players need to make plays. And if your scheme has not worked for now going on 14 games, 
you need to change something. I don't know if that's true though. I think that's actually inaccurate to say. You don't think that this? You think that the scheme so, has, has been successful zero times this year? Well, once I guess against the Patriots when we still lost. Um, so no, it's not. It's not that it hasn't worked at all. But I think that it has not been reliable enough. I think that there needs to be some sort of changes, and maybe they're making those changes, and we're we're just not seeing them because players aren't making plays. But all I know is at the end of the day. Someone is going to have to take the blame for this defense, and you can't blame the entire playing staff. You have to blame one person. So you can blame Aaron Williams for poisoning the water, which is what I'm going to do. Mario Williams. Sorry, Mario Williams for poisoning the water. Uh, you know, you can blame Darius or Kyle Williams for being out. Maybe that was the heart and soul of that defense before, and that now that he's gone, it's really hard to you know keep Darius motivated. It's really hard to someone to get in Mario Williams' face and be like, you know what? Stop taking goddamn plays off. We yeah. need you here. Come on, Mario. Because uh, I feel like he would respond to that. Mario Williams, as great of a player he is, he's not a leader. He's a follower. And if we had Kyle Williams doing that, maybe he would be, make all the world of a difference. Well, it sounds but like the you, fact is we need to do something because well, I think, we don't have any solutions going into next year. No, but I know that you want to talk about Mario Williams more. Yeah. So I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to give you the privilege of doing so on Rants and Raves. I can't believe this team has found a way to lose eight games this season. I really can't. It's, it's unfathomable. And they seem to have found eight different ways to do it, which is also unfathomable. But they lost again today, which means we gotta do a little ranting. Suge, you've already kind of dipped your toe into yours. So by all means, have at it. Mario Williams, who the hell do you think you are? Your team wanted nothing to do with you, and yes, you were this high-priced agent, and we gave you the goddamn royal treatment. We sat in that airport waiting for you. People were willing to put their damn bodies on the tarmac so that your plane couldn't leave. We gave you every welcome, and what have you done for us? You haven't been this outspoken community activist. You haven't been like our special teams players, like our punters, or like... Mormon who's just been a part of the community and raised money for people. No, the only thing that we asked you to do, and we were all okay with that, we were all okay that you were kind of this recluse that sat around with your guns and like to just, you know, kind of do your thing, but the one thing we asked was that you put it out on the field. And if you're not making plays on the field, you at least put the effort. You know what, when your arm, your hand was injured, Everybody still supported you because you were still trying. You were still, you know, locking up the run game. You, you couldn't make the sacks. And then finally you got healthy and you started making sacks so we were all happy. But now, what are you? You're nothing. You're not important to this community. You're not important to this football team because you've done jack shit every year. And if anything, all you've done is sat around, collect your paycheck, and make Bills fans hate you just the way that Houston fans hate you. That's the reason why nobody cared when you went back to Houston. Because you were irrelevant. You did nothing for them when you left there. And so now you're this big baby who, by the way, you're no longer in your mid-20s. No one gives a shit that you were great, okay? You are no longer great because, you know what, no team is going to pay you the money like we paid you anymore. Okay, all that guaranteed money that you're now hoping you were going to get, all you had to do was to be a good citizen. 
All you had to do was say, hey, it's a new uh, uh, system. I'm going to try, and we would have kept you here on the, on the Bills. And, God, I will be so mad if you were still in a Bills uniform next year. But all you had to do was try, and you couldn't even do that for your freaking, what, $10, 20000000 million, whatever you had to do. All you had to do was freaking try, and you couldn't do that. You're a disgrace to the NFL. Wow. So you raise a good point. We kind of tiptoed around a little bit here. And I never even thought of the community thing, but that's an excellent point. He does do things like buy pickup trucks for cops in Texas and shit like that. In Texas. Yeah. But I, I agree. Take it or leave it. Fine. The only thing you did was produce on the field. And if you can't do that, then we even gave you a pass on that. But if you can't do that and you're not willing to put in effort, you're worthless. And here's the thing. He doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who's into money. So it's not a greed thing. It's not I, like... Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. He wants to be special. That's why he will never try and learn a new system. That's why he left Houston when they tried to make him an outside linebacker and said, oh, I only want to go somewhere where I'm playing 4-3. Now, granted, that probably should have been a little bit of a warning signal to us, but we said, hey, you know, we're 4-3 right now. We need people to come here. And the one thing he has done is he's made Buffalo a place where people want to go. But he has, I mean, he's produced when he's here, but we're just, it's like deja vu all over again. You know, he's once again in a system he doesn't like, and not only, it's one thing for you to just suck, how dare you poison the rest of this defense, okay? How how dare you take our young defensive players besides Darby and make, set the example of, oh, if you don't like the scheme, you don't really have to try. That's the example you're setting to our young players. And that's the example you're also setting to all the kids in Buffalo, in Rochester, that watch the Buffalo Bills. You are no Don Beebe, okay? You are not going to get any fan mail about effort. You are nothing like the old Buffalo Bills who, if nothing else, had effort, never gave up. Yeah. And, Suge, I said it before. I wouldn't be surprised, and I would actually encourage Rex Ryan, because I know he's listening, to make Mario a healthy scratch the last two weeks. You got you got to set an example. You got to say, you know what? You don't want to play in my system. You know, I don't, Rex, I know you're a player's coach, but at some point you just got to drop the goddamn hammer but on the But I'm saying, team. I'll put 22 guys out there who want to be out there. Exactly. Because we're not playing for the playoffs now. Now we're playing for pride. We're playing for continuity, and we're playing because we need to build something as a team, even though we got to take nine months off. We gotta get something going. And I sure as hell don't want to pad Mario's stat total with him sacking fits. You know, right. that's not yeah, what I, I love, want. Well, yeah, Mario's gonna get 10 sacks over the next two games for nothing. Right. So, he, you know, he would do that just to spite us, it seems like, sometimes. Yeah, once he knew he was playing for a contract, once he knew he was no longer on the team, he would just try. So, whatever. Mario, I hope you never ever play another down. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I hope you never play another down for, uh, for the Buffalo Bills. But. Lars, there's plenty to be angry about. Well, here's the thing. This is a podcast by fans and for fans. But I get to this point every year where I can't stand the majority of Internet Bills fans. Oh, God. Now, I understand full well that the motivated person on the Internet is often somebody who's a little bit unhinged in the first place or is somebody who has a negative experience. So a lot of the positive feedback really never makes it to the surface because people who people who are indifferent about their experience or, or have a good attitude out of it don't 
care enough to get taped to the internet or get on their keyboard or make a podcast or do whatever. But those assholes that do, the ones that leave the shitty Amazon reviews, the ones that are that are running Yelp right now, the ones that get online and talk about the Buffalo Bills as if it was Nazi Germany coming to take your grandma out of the attic. What the hell is wrong with you? Most of you are grown adults, and if you hate the Bills so much, fucking go do something else. Or go cheer for another team. But all of these like in, insane calls for the coaches to be fired, for the GM to be fired, for Terry Pagula to sell the team, all this shit. There is so much ire towards this team that so many Bills fans on the Internet Express, what the hell is wrong with you? If you don't enjoy this team, get a new hobby, go do something else. It, they cause all of us aggravation. But we don't take it personally, and we don't spit this vitriol that is if the Bills don't fire everybody and scorch the earth in their wake that I don't, I don't I, I'm now yeah, at a loss I mean, of, I'm hey, now at a loss of words I just, I, it, it's, it's dummy to, listen to, I'm talking to, talk to you Bills fans who wants to fire everybody I'm starting off my conversation with hey dummy has it worked in the past no have we tried yes every other possibility other than continuity have we tried a 3-4 have we tried a 4-3 have we tried a power run game have we tried a, a long deep pass focused game have we tried everything else other than continuity yes how about we try the one thing we haven't fucking tried and you want a different gm you know what how about the answer is hey why don't we try and get the gm and the coach on the same page how is that never an option that you actually try and fix the problems in your organization rather than trying to freaking blow it up. I mean, I, I, there's probably, most of you have never been married or, 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 or in or, charge of anything yeah, in your life. Or in charge of anything, exactly. Because you know that there are problems at all stages. There are problems with the Patriots, but they work them out internally and they figure it out. You know, the answer is not to fire your GM. Your GM has brought more talent into this team than we've had in a decade. And the answer is not to fire your coach because Ron Rivera was a freaking disaster in Carolina for year after year. And look at where we are now. Ron they Rivera, just won their 14th game in Ron a row. Ron Rivera only won seven games last year. Yeah. The answer is that you need continuity. You need people to say, you need to get rid of the Mario Williams of the world that yes. say, I'm not going to buy in. And say the only people that are left after three years are people that love this system. People that are all about it. And people that get it and don't have to think twice before executing but, but people, it. You know, people always say... Same thing with Greg, Greg Roman. I, I get that like, good coaches find a way to tailor their system to meet their players. Okay, fine. But this is the era of free agency. This is the era of injuries. And if we have to drop a new goddamn game plan every week because players keep dropping like flies or because we can't retain the talent because we can't afford them, that is not a way to build the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you want to go into if you want to go into next season with a new head coach, we'll be going into the 2016 season with our fourth head coach since 2012. The Pittsburgh Steelers have had four head coaches since 1966. And you know what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done for the last 25 years? They've run the same fucking system. They've run the same system. 
They get guys in. They turn guys through to teach them to play the system. They draft guys who spend two or three essentially redshirt years learning the system. And then when they move on from vets, they have guys there to take their place. This is all enabled by continuity, by establishing a system. There will be down years in the system, and I'm not suggesting this is one of them. This is a growing pains year. There will be down years, but teams that establish and stick to and are committed to a system bounce back all the fucking time. And what makes you right? What makes you right that one bad year out of Rex Ryan's entire career running a defense, one bad year should cause you to say that he doesn't know how to run a defense. What the hell do you do that Every, makes you qualified to make that else statement? about Rex Ryan suggests the exact opposite. We all know it. That's why we were all excited when we hired him. So, here's the thing. Suge, we did a podcast after we hired Rex Ryan. Yep. And we expressed some concerns about Rex Ryan. There were there were plenty of reasonable concerns I to have about Rex Ryan. I think one of our concerns was the fact that we were built for a 4-3. Yeah. Right? And, and we said and there's going to be some growing games. But we said, hey, but Rex Ryan has never screwed it up before. Yeah. Hey, he screwed it up, right? Or the system, or or the point, the players, the divas on the team screwed it up for him. Because, you know, look at that defensive line minus Kyle, Kyle Williams and Jerry Hughes. Who exactly do you think of as a leader who is motivated? Nobody. Mar Darius sure as hell isn't. Darius, you know, it's a piece of clay. He's finally, like, not doing something detrimental to the team. Um, off the field, or is it, but he's not a leader, and Mario Williams certainly isn't a leader. So you know, when Kyle Williams isn't around, who's gonna who's gonna say, hey, get on the damn page? And we've talked about this too, which was we've all we last year on the podcast we re, we expressed regret for the future without without Kyle Williams and Fred Jackson, because who's there to step up and take those leadership roles? But the larger point here is that no. Bill's fans had their druthers with Rex Ryan. We were among them, although we were mostly positive about the hire. But that percentage of Bill's fans that had their druthers and thought that it was a poor hire has grown exponentially all of a sudden. Now all of a sudden, all the fans who were all on board with Rex Ryan, hell yeah, this defense is going to be great. We're going to be awesome. Rex is talking up. I'm ready to go run through a brick wall now because Rex is the man. All those fans, and we were among them. Now want him fired? What? The, what? Like, what do you think happened? What? Like, all the things that you used to love about him just finally went up in smoke. And that he's a new guy. He doesn't care. That he's not putting in the hours. That he's not teaching these guys. That he's suddenly decided he doesn't give a shit about defense and he's going to win with offense. No, none of those things happened. None of those things happened. Yeah. So why would you blame it on Rex fucking Ryan? Yeah, I mean, and look, I'm not the one to say that Rex is spared completely. I think that he needs to make the adjustments that are required in order to let his players succeed. But at the same time, you don't blow up the damn thing, okay? If these players didn't succeed in this system, it doesn't mean that the system doesn't work. It means that, yes, he did fail in getting these sets of players this year to make it work. So he has an entire offseason to get the players that he needs. He has the entire offseason for those players that do want to stick around and do want to be part of this team to actually learn it and get it committed to memory to the point where it is second nature. You know, keep in mind, Tyrod Taylor was not your QB starting, you know, this, this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
he just barely won that QB competition. They were saying on the TV today that, oh, it was very clear that Tyrod Taylor was the man coming out of that QB competition. No, That's it was not. That's not true. The last damn preseason game, it was barely true. Okay? So. Yeah, we didn't. We had no idea. Because EJ played great certain games. Tyrod stunked it up certain games. Even Matt Castle played great certain games. Am I glad with the decision that we made? Absolutely. But we were a work in progress. We had a three-way quarterback that, competition for a month. Yeah. Do I people mean, not understand how much that sets your team back? Apparently not, Lars. Apparently not. Because we just, I mean. And again, look. but that Every, and again, I just don't understand. I mean, have you watched football? Some of you are older people who have been sitting there on these damn message boards on the stadium wall and been posting for 30 years. Like, do you not watch what's happening in front of you? Do you not? Have you, like, do we not all laugh about the Cleveland Browns? They are the poster kids of blowing it up. It's and not starting to work. It, it does not work. It doesn't work. Right, okay. Anyways, all right, Anyways. so. Sorry, Bills. At the end of the day. Most Bills fans, if you're listening to this podcast, I love you. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not one of those people because you probably wouldn't be able to tolerate listening to us. So cheers to you. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode, which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card, baby. And this is Bills and Beers. We talk about the Buffalo Bills and we do so drinking beer. Today I'm doing a reprise from earlier this season. I'm having the Beguile Hop Hazardly. It's okay. It's all right. It's a high volume, bitter IPA, which seemed fitting for the state that we're currently in. It's all right. I whatever. I um I change it up. You know, as you guys all know, I'm very loyal to my Labatt Blue, and I've stuck with my Labatt Blue. I think for every episode other than one this year, but this year I went local. Um, went to Bell's Brewery, the Bell's Roundhouse IPA. Bell's isn't local. Well, they're a Midwest they're, beer. Saying, right? They're out of like Kalamazoo, aren't they? Well, apparently it says Comstock, oh, Comstock Michigan. Michigan. Okay. I thought they were Kalamazoo too, but um, anyway, so I uh, I think of I think of all the Midwestern beers as local beers. So <laughs> um, so anyways, Bell's is a great brewery. If those of you that don't know the uh, Bell's Two Hearted or by definitely Oberon. the Oberon during the summer, yeah. put some orange in that mm, girl. Oberon right, so, is one of the best summer beers. Yeah, it absolutely And you know what is. else is? And there, for a long time, or I should say, the, the, the early chapters of my legal drinking days, <laughs> I named um, Sam Adams Summer Ale as my all-time favorite beer. You know, I did like a Summer Ale back I in the do day. like Summer Ale. It is a great, uh, but I called it my favorite beer because if you're drinking it, that means it's summertime. That's true. That's true. But I, I, I bring it up to say, don't sleep on it. We're yep. talking about summer beers. It's it's uh, it's pretty high on the on the power rankings. It's hard with the now Oberon. though because we have all these new session IPAs, yeah. which I, are like perfectly meant to be like easy drinking beers. I so. actually don't buy into the session IPA uh, at all. I, I one of the reasons I like IPAs is because they're high volume. Have you had the uh, nitro IPA from Guinness? No. I don't Guinness like put it. Put out an IPA. Yeah, it's weird. Interesting. So okay. it doesn't have the crispness of an IPA. It's got the smoothness of a Guinness. Right, because it's made with nitrogen. Right, and it's got it's got the little thing in the can. So right. You rattle the can. So it tastes like a flat IPA. I am gonna give a, a little bit of a shout out to uh, North Quad Brewery. So uh, my neighbor across the way um, started brewing beer. His name is Ryan. I'm gonna spare any last names, but. Um, 
he uh, started brewing beers and uh, put out, you know, we had this thing where all four of us have kids about the same age. That's the person across from me, the person next to me, and the person kitty corner from me in this little tiny courtyard with all townhouses. And so, you know, we all needed a beer pretty much all the time. And so we had a thing where we would text each other a picture of the bat signal. Uh, and the bat signal meant that you need to come outside and have a beer with your neighbor because he just needs your help. And so he brews beers and he put out this amazing IPA called the Bat Signal Pale Ale. Oh, how nice. Yeah, so the Bat Signal Pale Ale was definitely like a favorite. He made a great brown ale after that. And so we called it North Quad Brewery Bat Signal Pale Ale. He just made an amazing, what is equivalent of a session pale ale uh, that is in the, in the vein of Bat Signal. But it's just real easy drinking, and it's honestly one of the best easy drinking beers I've ever had. Uh, so I've named it Hop Quench. Um, Ooh. I'm going to tell him, I keep harassing him to make it again. And it is 6%, so it's no joke. Um, and uh, that's what I want to drink next time. I like time. that. Yeah. So Hop Quench, I like, Ryan, is, it's on you for North Quad Breweries. That's such a nice story. You know, Suge, before we get into wild card here, I was thinking about this before. Um, I, I think you and Rekka have pretty established roots here in Chicago. I don't think yeah. you guys are going anywhere. Yeah. I, can't, I can't say the same, to be honest. I mean, we've lost Jeff. We've lost Bill. I think Cass is here to say, but I don't know what our roots are. And, and what, I would actually really like to move to Buffalo. Ah. Because I like being and having good neighbors. Yeah. And Buffalo is the city of good neighbors. That's right. And it is woefully missing from the urban experience, at least from what my own experience. The place I live in now, we have Barbie across the hallway, who I told you about earlier. Right, right. Barbie, Barbie, who has a voiceover gig reading People magazine to blind people. We love Barbie. So I get along with everybody in, in our building, and I actually really like that we have a little neighborly thing going on right now. Yeah. So I love your story. Because I love a good story of neighbors. Yeah. And, I mean, and, I'm, and I'm really envious that you have that experience here It's in the Chicago. hardest thing. You know, we think about moving out to the suburbs because, you know, we all grew up in the suburbs. Most of us that grew up in Rochester or Buffalo, um, you know, they're, they're all towns with, filled with suburbs. There's, yeah, granted, Buffalo's a little bit better in terms of they have an urban environment and Rochester's getting better. But it's always been towns of suburbs where, you know, you know your neighbors, you hang out with them, blah, blah, blah. Your kids play together. Uh, which was pretty awesome because all of us have kids about six months apart from each other. Yeah, so that's all awesome. the nannies know each other and everything. So you know, but that's one of the beauties of, and we'll talk a little bit about Chicago here. You know, one of the reasons that I love Chicago is because it reminds me of Rochester. You know, it reminds me of upstate New York because of the fact that you know, with the East Coast attitude that you have on the on the East Coast, you know, just a little bit of like I want things done quickly, I want things done fast. You know, we have that. Uh, and, and because Chicago's a major city, you have that here. Um, and then, but the kind of laid-back suburban, I'm from upstate New York attitude, that feeds perfectly into the Midwestern attitude. So there's a little bit of everything here, and it, it fits upstate New York. So any of you that are thinking of relocating, you know, you always have a place here at Lincoln Station with the Bills Backers of Chicago. Um, you know, come out to Chicago. If you have to leave home, Come out to Chicago because it's a good, great place to be. And if you're here on game day, come all the way down front. We'll share a beer. So it's uh, it's time for the wild card, and it's time for us to think about the fact that, you know, we, we tricked all of you listeners and told you the entire episode that we weren't going to record this podcast. Last time. And uh, it looks like we're, we're running here. a pretty damn long podcast at this yeah. point. But uh, 
Next week we definitely are not. Definitely not. I next promise week. you. No, no question. The, well, there's nothing to talk about next. There's week. nothing to talk next about. Next week's a meaningless game. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to watching it on my mom's couch in Erie. Oh, for God's sakes! I hope they have the. I really don't. No offense to you or Lincoln Station, but I'm really sick of watching games in bars. I, yeah. I, I have not watched a game from a couch yet this year. Well, that's because every time we watch at your house or Bill's house, we lose. I know. So that's part of that's it's like a chips and salsa thing, which we got the damn chips and salsa. It still didn't work, okay? Yeah. Anyways. We didn't uh, finish before kickoff. We didn't though. finish before kickoff, whatever. I'm just done. All right, so what we want to know is, you know, we're not going to have a New Year's episode. Uh, we'll have an episode in the New Year, uh, but we're not going to have one before the New Year. So it's time for resolutions. It's time for what would you change? What are you going to do in the next year? And... What should be the Buffalo Bills resolution coming into next year? Now, wait, I just want to interject right now. Playing in the bar, I don't know if our listeners can make it out. This is a very off the beaten path talking head song that I love that I've never heard outside of my own iPod before. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that out there. Lars would like to change his iPod music. That's what Lars I think I've, I've used. <laughs> no, I've used this on Bills and Beers. This is Road to Nowhere. I so think that you should find it, and it, I think that this should be the intro segment yeah, to this. No, it's, okay. I, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I mean, it's just very fitting. Road it's, to Nowhere. It's Road to Nowhere. It's the life of the Buffalo Bills fan. Yeah. So, so New Year's resolutions. Okay, mine's easy, um, and we talked about it. And it, wild card, we usually do kind of uh, goofy stuff, but this one's pretty serious. Which is, I think it's time for Terry and Kim Pagula to resolve to call Mr. Doug Whaley into their office and say, all right, here's the deal. Rex reports to us. You report to us. Rex is on the hook for five years. We paid a lot of money to bring him here, and he's a lot more proven in this league than you are. So you either learn to get along or you're out of here. And if we get one more report of you butting heads with the head coach, Sorry, Doug. Sayonara. Especially when you have an offensive coordinator and a head coach who have made their names in this league by doing more with little. Right? So the GM position does not become quite as critical uh, when you do more with little. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's I think it's about time that he have a call to the principal's office. And, and I love Whaley. And I love Whaley, but this is two straight head coaches. Him and Rex were two ships in the night on the Matt Castle thing. He and, he and Marone famously fought in front of the media during training camp right before they hired Orton last year. Yeah, Marone was a dick, though. Yeah, Marone was a dick, but I think we would won more games with Marone this year. Yep. With Marone Definitely. and Schwartz and even, even fucking Petten. Or, I'm um, not Petten. Um, Hackett. Yeah. No, with, we with, Ty, with Tyrod as the quarterback. I'm sorry, but we would have. So, uh, yeah, Marone was a dick, but, wait, you know, okay, fine. But Rex isn't a dick, or at least not in the same way that Marone is, and Whaley yeah, found a way to piss him off, too. And as much as Schwartz, you know, no one has any faith in him as a head coach, we, this year, this year, not long-term, but this year, we would have won more games with Schwartz as our head coach and Roman as our as our offensive coordinator, but I don't know that Roman would have come here no. if Schwartz was our, off, uh, was our head coach. So, anyways, long story short, I, you know, mine goes to Tim and uh, Kim and Terry as well. Most oh, wow. Mostly to Kim. I just... I want them to take ownership. You know, like I think that they came in and they trust, they did the same thing that they did with the Sabres, which is they trusted the people that were in place. They wanted to get the lay of the land. But with the Sabres, I think they let that go a little bit too long. Um, and then they finally blew everything up. 
I'm not asking them to blow everything up, but I'm asking yeah, them to yeah. take See, ownership. Contrary to everything we've been talking about no, no, the last no, no, 45 minutes, I'm, I'm, it's time for Terry and Kim to blow them, it up. I'm asking them to be a little bit more like the Cowboys owners. I want them to get their nose a little bit involved. You have been exceedingly successful in business, and I know, and, it, and, and you've been exceedingly successful in a business that requires innovation with fracking. So I want you to, I mean, you're not the type of person that just blows everything up when things aren't working, right? When you get bad media about fracking, you don't just blow everything up. You don't say, oh, we're going to find our way, another way to oh, yeah, get you're right. Fracking's bad. We got to stop. We got to find. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. So, I mean, you know that there's a way to handle these. And I would just want Terry and Kim to be more involved. I think that's, that, that's what I want. I, I want some solid business minds that care about this team, that have a vested interest, that are not Russ Brandon, who, you know, God bless him. Russ Brandon is exceedingly good at what he does. Yeah. But he does Which not Which is why he's running both franchises. Run a, right, but he doesn't know how to run a football team. the actual He knows how to run the business. portion of a franchise. Right, right? No, absolutely. And he doesn't necessarily know how to run an organization as a whole. You know? Like, he knows how to run the financial components of things. He knows how to run the media side of things, but not as a whole. Not as a whole. There's a reason why when he was the you know GM or the person that was such, oh, it was a disaster. He's exceedingly good at what he does. I think he's going to have a spectacular career in the NFL front offices at some point. But we need someone that is in charge and has a vested interest like a fan in the entire picture. And, and I think that's Pagoulas. that's the Pagoulas. Yeah. So and I just want the, them to be more involved. To piggyback on my – so, yeah, good. Well, we got two resolutions for the Pagoulas. Um, to piggyback on my earlier point – Dumbass Bills fans. I've actually heard people say that like Terry's a dumb guy. But because you've seen Terry, that give, person's making fifteen thousand dollars a year. Uh, yeah, exactly. At Applebee's. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with working at Applebee's. I love Applebee's. Or making fifteen thousand dollars. I love your happy hour. I love it. I love it. I love Applebee's. And screw you, Marshawn Lynch. But they watched Terry give these television interviews where he's kind of like half checked out. Because he probably is a little bit of a mad scientist and isn't the most socially engaging guy in the world. But he's not dumb. And if you had any sense whatsoever, you'd be like, oh, well, he's worth nine figures. So obviously he's doing something right. Oh, he made his money in a very highly engineering type business, which requires, as you said, innovation and planning and and public affairs and intergovernment. Like... Terry Pagula is in charge of a very far-reaching empire that now includes sports teams. He is not dumb, but Bills fans think he's dumb. Yeah, I mean, there are, if there you are people think out he's there... dumb, go buy the Sabres and the Bills, you freaking moron. <laughs> okay, just do that. If yeah. you think he's so dumb... Actually, you know what? Just go buy him. Because you know, we'll, we'll, he did. No, here's Suge. Let's, let's, be, let's be generous. You think he's dumb? We'll give you the rest of your life. To cobble together enough cash to buy one of those franchises, let alone both of them. You have until now, until you're 80, until you're 90, until you're 100. Go ahead. Do what you got to do to round up the billions of dollars it takes to buy a professional franchise and then come back and tell me that this guy's dumb. And all you idiots are like, oh, well, so what? He's good at business. He doesn't know anything about a sports franchise. Which one of you wants to look at the Sabres and say they are not in a better position right now with Eichel and the rest of that team than they were before Pegula became an owner? Yes, it took some time. That's also why he's smart, because he knows that it does take some Continuity. time. Continuity. Continuity. 
Well, I think that's enough airing our grievances against Bills fans for one week. And we're not going to have anyone listening after this week. Yeah, so, well, we're personally offended. But you know what? All of you people that don't want to listen, we don't want you to listen anyway. Yeah. Because you're idiots. Literally, scrolling through Golden Tee right now was the leader number 104 is Big Dummy. Okay? <laughs> that's I'm talking you. about you. Uh, find us on Twitter at Bills and Beers. Find us on Facebook at Bills and Beers. Have a very Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. We will be watching the Dallas game, but we're not going to talk about it. So enjoy. Find us on Facebook or Twitter if you want to chat about it. I'll be watching in my mom's living room, God willing. They get the game so I can I can have my laptop in front of me. I'd, I'd be happy to interface with you on social media. We should slowly introduce... If, if, if you're a fan out there and you listen to us all the time and you're somewhat reasonable... I think that we should invite them into our group me chat that occurs every no, day. No, we should not. <laughs> no, we should not. Um, but we actually, that reminds me, Susan, I've been meaning to do, because we do have a couple very loyal listeners and a couple people on social media, and I don't want to start naming them now because if I leave some off, I'll feel really bad. So uh, remind me after next weekend or after the Week 17 game when we have really nothing to talk about, I want to do a, uh, a listener shout-out to some of the people who have been with us and, and, are, and are, quite frankly, the reason we do what we do. But until then, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Go Bills! Go Bills! The Bills make me want to shout!